morning, church family. Good to see everybody, and appreciate you being here uh, today. Appreciate uh, so many visitors that we have uh, with us today and returning guests. We're glad that you're here with us. Appreciate those that are joining us uh, by way of uh, Facebook Live that you're tuning in uh, today. Before we go to prayer uh, this morning, I want to, uh, I've had a couple people ask me, and uh, you know, will we stop wearing masks when the county mandate drops? And the answer to that is no, we're going, we're going to continue uh, with the same protocol uh, that we've had from the very beginning. When we stop wearing masks, we'll just go back to the sanctuary and uh, take our masks off. So, and we haven't decided to do that. So yes, even though the county's dropping their mandate, uh, again, ours is still the same, and it's for the same purpose it's been from the beginning. Uh, that is to safely take care of our church family, uh, but also to try to be as effective as we can in ministry. And I will say again, I appreciate you wearing your mask. Secondly, I will say I will appreciate those of you that wear them correctly. Uh, they're not chin warmers. It's not to be below your nose. And it's to be over your nose. And so I appreciate those of you uh, that are following with that. It shows you care. You care about your church family. You care about each other's health. And so we're going to continue on that path. And then as the Lord leads us, then we'll, we'll head back over uh, when God makes that clear to us. But thank you for your interest and your concern. We're going to stay on the path we're on until it's safe uh, to come out of the ark. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And let's ask for his guidance and his leadership over this service and over our lives today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this another day, God, that you have given us. It is a gift. And Lord, we'll never have this chance and this opportunity to respond to you and to your word again. And Father, I pray today you will sanctify your church by your truth and by your word. Father, there are so many things around us and in the world uh, that cause those of us that love you and love your word and love what you have declared is right. Uh, they challenge us to become uh, bitter and discouraged about the direction of our world. But Father, I pray today you'll remind us from your word all that we have and all that we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that as we come to a time of invitation, if there's someone here, Lord, today who's never been saved, they've never turned from sin and trusted Christ to be Lord of their life, God, we pray that this would be the day uh, that they would turn and trust Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you'll encourage your church today, those who have become discouraged, those who have stopped serving you in sincerity. For whatever reason, Father, they need revival and renewal. We pray they'll find that today in you and in your word. Father, bless this time. Father, I pray that as we sing, we'll be reminded, God, of your faithfulness, how great and awesome you are. God, again, that we're on the winning side, Lord. Uh, and we've just got to continue to be faithful and finish well. And in due season, Lord, we'll reap if we faint not. And God, you're going to take us home to be with you and with you will ever be. But until then, find us faithful doing what you've called us and charged us to do. Bless this time. Be honored and glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Bless God. Let's all stand this morning. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How 
serve an amazing God, don't we? This old world 
Amazing God, you still amazing me. When Christ shall come with a shout of acclamation. I'm looking forward to that.
Praise the Lord for the good spirit of worship uh, this morning. I'll ask you to take your Bibles, please, and turn with me this morning to the book of Ephesians. We're going to start a new study this morning in the New Testament book of Ephesians. Be finding chapter 1. We'll begin to read in verse number 1. And for a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you on this subject. What's so special about being a Christian? What's so special about being a Christian? you found that, say amen. Stand with me this morning, all those that can and are able, in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, begin reading verse 1. The Bible says these words, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom 
and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him we've obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of promise, who's the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, God, that your Holy Spirit would challenge us and encourage us today. God, I pray that you'll convict the lost who've never been saved, God, of their need for you today. Lord, I don't care how religious they've been, how many churches they've been a member of, how long they've been around the church. God, the question today is, have they ever been saved? Father, I pray if there's someone here who truly has never repented and by faith trusted Christ to be Lord of their life, God, you'll show them that need. God, they'll spit their pride out, and they'll turn in humbleness and repentance to Christ today, and by faith, they'll trust Christ to be Lord of their life today. Father, I pray if there's a believer in our midst today, someone listening online, or who's really been battling discouragement, God, they've lost their joy because they've allowed the devil to steal it because of something going on in their life, in their family, the workplace, just the current world situation. God, I pray this morning they'll be reminded of all that they have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you'll restore to them today, God, as they repent of a lack of faith. God, I pray today you'll restore them the joy of your salvation. And God, help us in these days to remember these things and to press on in faithfulness to what you've called us and what you've challenged us and commissioned us to do in these days. Your will be done, God. We simply pray in every heart and every life. We'll give you thanks now for what we trust and believe you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I'm about you to be seated. We preached through, uh, I think, uh, Ephesians 2 on uh, Palm Sunday, and I reminded you then of how that church was founded in Acts chapter 19, how the church at Ephesus was formed, uh, how after Paul had departed from Ephesus, he gathered all the Ephesian elders to himself, and he reminded them that for three years he had been in their midst preaching and teaching, reaching, teaching, and encouraging, seeing people saved, growing them to be disciples and encouraging them in what was a very difficult city uh, to live on mission uh, for Christ in. And so through the the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he begins to write again, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 of the book of Ephesians, to to remind them, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. And so note this, this message is specifically written to those who had repented and had trusted Christ. And again, friend, listen, the great problem that we have here in the South is uh, trying to share the gospel with those who have convinced themselves or they've been convinced by others that they're saved just because they've attached themselves to the church. My friend, your salvation is not found in whether your name 
is on a list in the secretary's office. What determines where you spend eternity is whether your name has been written down in the Lamb's book of life because you have repented of your sin and by faith you have trusted Christ to be Lord of your life because the gospel was shared with you. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. And someone shared with you what Romans 3.23, what Romans 6.23, what John 3.16, what Luke 13.3, what Romans 10.9 and 10. All have to say that we're lost. There's a, there's a penalty for our sin. Christ, God sent Christ to die for us because he loves us. But we must repent and we must by faith confess Jesus to be Lord of our life. And so if you've never done that, that's the great need that you have. That's the letter that Paul was writing to remind them of all the things that they had in Christ Jesus. And so the title of our message is what's so special about being a Christian. The title of our message is not what's so special about naming the Christian name or what's so special about joining the church. The, the title of the message is what's so special about being a Christian. That is being born again into the family of God. And so that's the great need you have today if you've never done that. But once you trust Christ, be reminded, the foundational verse that we have in our discipleship ministry is John 10, 10. Thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Satan wants to do. And, and you can insert any word into how he accomplishes those three things. But specifically at times, he wants to steal and to kill your joy. And I want to tell you something this morning. Don't ever say, you know, this, this person, well, my mother-in-law is just stealing my joy. You know, or my boss is stealing my joy. Or I've got this friend that's just stealing my joy. No, friend, listen. If your joy, joy robbery is an inside job. No one can steal your joy unless you allow them to do it. And our joy is not in a situation. It, it's not in... Uh, the world being every, every which way just right. Our joy is in a person. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if your joy is stolen, it's because you allow Satan to come into your heart, to disguise you, come into your life, I should say, and to begin to sow uh, lies and to sow discord and to sow uh, false truths into your mind. And you begin to look at the situation in a way that it isn't really what it is. And you begin to lose your joy. So we need to rediscover all that we have and all that we are in and by Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32, Jesus said this. He said, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, that is, they trusted him for what he was and who he was, the, the Messiah. Listen to what the Bible says. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, that is, you remain in my word, you remain in my teaching, you become a doer of it. Remember those, those four words, no, sto, show, and so. Know God's word, stow God's word, show God's word, so God's word by living on mission. If you, if you remain in my word, if you abide in my word, he says, you are my disciples, my followers indeed. Now listen, listen to the relationship to the word, verse 32. He says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so we need to be reminded, friend, listen to me, of not who the world says we are or who Satan says we are, who you've been convinced that you are or you are not. We need to be reminded this morning of who Jesus says we are in him. We need to be reminded, John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Set them apart, God, for your exclusive purpose. Your word is truth. Sanctify them with your truth. And we need to be set apart and re-reminded. Friend, listen. If in these days in which we're living, they're very, very difficult, and as our song said this morning, are always changing, you become discouraged, and in the vernacular of the youth, you just become all bummed out. 
and you're down in the mully grubs constantly, you're not going to be effectively used by God for anything. You're not going to be able to be sanctified and set apart for his exclusive use. And so we need to be reminded this morning, and that's what Paul did. He began this letter to the church to remind the church at Ephesus and us of all that God has blessed us with in every spiritual blessing. And through Christ, we have been, number one, now listen, I get mocked sometimes. You know, you've always got three, verse, three points or four. You ready? I've got nine points this morning. Somebody say amen. Nine points. All right, here we go. Number one. What's so special about being a Christian? Number one, in and through Christ, we have been, number one, chosen. Apostle Paul reminds us that we've been chosen. Look what the Bible says in verse number three of Ephesians chapter one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. It's all from him in the heavenly places in Christ. It is positionally we have a personal relationship with him. And he reminds us here in verse number four, just as he chose us, in him before the foundation of the world. Friend, listen. God initiated the plan of salvation. It was all from him. It's all his plan. First John chapter 2 and verse number 2 says this. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the whole world. Now listen, I want to pause. I'm not going to get deep in this because I've done several discipleship lessons on Calvinism. And I'm just going to remind you again, friend, listen. Very simply, that when Jesus died on the cross... He didn't die on the cross for just a handful of people that God predestinated or chose to be saved and everybody else by default was predestined and bound for hell. Jesus died that every single human being, man, woman, little boy, and little girl might come to the knowledge of salvation and have the opportunity to escape hell and the penalty of their sins that can only be found through him. And so that is a foundational truth and it's one of those, and listen, it's one of the most dangerous doctrines that's being taught today. It is, it, is, it is pulling people away from a burden to see people saved. Because again, what's the burden to see people saved? It's been fixed and irresistibly, they're going to be saved. Friend, listen, there's a burden. Listen, we're living on borrowed time. We don't know when someone, it may be the last opportunity they have to receive Jesus Christ. And you may be here this morning and say, every week, give us an invitation. Every week, invite somebody. You better take it seriously. The Bible says, harden not yourself, your heart against God. Seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he may be near. You may never have an opportunity to be saved again. And if you die and go to hell, it's not because God didn't choose you. It's because you wouldn't choose to receive him to be Lord of your life. And so we've been chosen. You think about that, friend. As sinless and as wicked and as sorry as we were, God saw that, he knew that, and he still sent Jesus Christ to die in our place. That ought, listen, I don't care how discouraged you are today. That ought to begin to pump you up just a little bit that you've been chosen to be saved. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, it's God who would have all men be saved. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God would have all men come to a knowledge of repentance, that is to turn and be saved. First John chapter 1 and verse 9 says that true light which gives light, John chapter 1 verse 9, Jesus is that true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. To all men. So that's just one of those things. And again, I'm just going to say because we have opportunity. We're not going to teach Calvinism in this church. We're not going to tolerate Calvinism in this church. You say, well, that's a narrow view. It's narrow. It's, it's poison. It's not right. And I know some Calvinists somewhere listening. say, well, they must be Arminians. No, we're not, friend. We're not reformed. We're informed. 
on what the Bible says. And it's that God wants all people to be saved. And once saved, always saved. You can't lose your salvation, friend, because it is sealed in the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to say that from the very beginning. We're, everybody wants to lay between one or the other. And you're going to hear it more and more. Well, if you're not Calvinist, you must be Armenian. No, friend, we're just biblical. We're just biblical. And I thank God, friend, that he chose us to be saved before the foundation of the world. But make no mistake, friend, it's, it's God who initiates salvation. He chose us, but it's all of God. John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. It's initiated by the Holy Spirit. Only he can convict. Friend, listen, what I can talk you into, someone else can talk you out of. And evangelism's about not, not about trying to talk somebody into being saved. Successful evangelism is just sowing the seeds of God's Word into someone life, someone's life and inviting them to turn and trust Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts and that draws John 6, 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. We'll see in Ephesians 2 next week, friend. Listen, a dead person can't do anything. It's God who initiates but we must choose and we must respond. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 10. The Bible says, Then the angel said to all those shepherds who were there on the day that Jesus was born, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Good tidings. Friend, that's what the gospel is. It's good news. It's not good news that God just chose some people to be saved and some people he didn't choose. It's good news that God has chosen every single person to be saved, but they must make their calling and election sure by turning and trusting Jesus to be Lord of their life. So, again, no matter what your mental state is today, child of God, you ought to be pumped up just one notch today and be, as you're reminded that God looked down through history and saw how sinful and lost you were before you got saved, and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die in your place. He chose you to be saved. Praise his name. What's so special about being a Christian? We've been chosen. Number two, we've been adopted and accepted. We've been adopted and accepted. Look what the Bible says. Just as he chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. We're coming back to the end of that verse. Verse 5, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Again, John chapter 3, verse 7, Jesus looked at a very religious man who probably forgot more of the Old Testament than you and I will ever know. And he told him, nicknames, you must be born again. You've got to be born again into the family of God. It's, it's a spiritual work. It's a spiritual birth that takes place. Because again, Ephesians 2, we were dead in trespasses and sins. Spiritually, we were born dead. And those who receive Jesus Christ and who respond to God's invitation are born again into the family of God. Verse 5 says, Having predestined us to the adoption of his sons, that by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Well, what's the good pleasure of his will? Since we've been adopted into the family of God, listen, that will look just like Jesus. Romans 8, 29. Romans 8, 28 says, All things work together for good for those who love him or called according to his purpose. But the purpose of all the hardship and all the challenges, the good that God works out, listen, is in Romans 8, 29, that through the process of sanctification, every day I look less like me and more like Jesus Christ. That's his will. 
less like me and more like Jesus. That's his plan. That's, that's his purpose. And it's only through by being a part, being adopted into the family of God, friend, that we can have Philippians 2, 5, the mind of Christ in all things. How can I respond to the difficulties in the news? How can I respond to, to the challenges and the way people look at the world and, and just the, the, the world view that people have today? And just the hatefulness. Friend, listen, it's combat just going to the grocery store these days. People, people are just so hateful and run over you and run by you and reach over you and drive past you. I mean, heaven forbid, you're just sitting there praying for just a second or looking at a bird on a limb and the light, turn, I mean, for just, I mean one second, just one second, the light's green. Ah! I mean, they're honking at you. People are just so grumpy. Just so grumpy. Listen, the only way that we can, we can respond in a Christ-honoring way, to have the mind of Christ, to think like Christ, speak like Christ, to respond, to live like Christ in all things, is to be adopted into the family of God. And so, I don't know what kind of background you have. Every, listen, I was blessed to have a, a family that loved me and cared for me. My mom and dad still, I mean, kissed me. I, my daddy came in right now, I'd, I'd kiss him right on the mouth. I mean, that's just the loving kind of hugging family we were. It wasn't a strange thing to tell each other that we loved one another. Everybody didn't grow up in that kind of family. You may have come from a very dysfunctional background, but friend, I want you to know something. If you've been saved, you've been born into the family of God. And you, you have a holy father who loves you, he cares for you. He sees all the challenges, all the adversities, all the hardships that you're going to... Friend, he's already demonstrated his love that while you were yet a sinner, he sent his son to die in your place. That you could be adopted into his family. He, he loves you. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11 says this, Do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him, whether there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all in all. Listen to me. It's only by being born again into the family of God that you can put off the old man and put on the new man that represents the family that you've been born into. Continue to read in verse number 6. It says, all of this to the praise of the glory of His grace. You didn't deserve it. Friend, don't ever get to a place say, well, I just want what's due to me. You'll find yourself in hell. Don't ever say that, friend. I don't tell you, all we deserve is hell. Mercy keeps us from that, and it's grace, God's unmerited favor, friend, that leads us to the place of salvation. It's all by grace. It's nothing that we've done. It's, it's all by grace to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us listen. There it is. That we've been adopted, but we've been accepted into the Beloved. Now, I want you to listen to me this morning. I don't care how hospitable you are, and some are more than others. It's, it's a spiritual gift. And you may just be so hospitable. That, I mean, you just love having people, and you love feeding and serving. But now, listen, you got to be honest. There's just sometimes you don't want company. You just don't want company. But now listen, it doesn't matter if you're still in your pajamas, your hair is run up one side of your head, 
You've just barely gotten the coffee made. Family can come in the door and they're welcome. Your children and your grandchildren, it doesn't matter. They know where the key is and they can swing the door wide open. They are accepted in your presence at all times. And friend, I'm telling you, we're not strangers when we come into God's presence. We have been accepted through the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody can't say that, friend, because they haven't been saved, but you can. Boldly you can come before the throne of grace. Listen, you don't have to make an appointment. Heaven's sakes, today you try to see a doctor, friend. You, listen, you can have a growth hanging off of your leg the size of a grapefruit, and they're going to make you wait four months to get in. Friend, listen, no appointment necessary. Through the blood of Jesus, friend, you can ring the throne room of heaven because you are accepted because of Jesus Christ. Now, I'll encourage you this morning. Doesn't the, the, all the lost out there, friend, they can't say that. They can't do that because they haven't experienced what we have because they won't choose to turn and receive Jesus Christ. Number three, what's so special about being a Christian? We've been redeemed. Look what the Bible says in verse number seven. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We've been redeemed from what? From the penalty of sin. From the penalty of sin, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. As for the tree of knowledge in the midst of the garden, thou shalt not eat off, for the day thou eatest thou off, thou shalt surely die. The wages of sin is death. God has established that. That's the penalty. That's the, that, is the, that is the judgment that we all sat under. But when Jesus died on the cross, friend, he made a way. He paid the price. He bore your, he bore your sin in his body. He bore your penalty in his body. And it's through Jesus Christ, listen, that we've been redeemed from the auction block and we've been able to be saved. We saw a beautiful illustration of that just a few months ago as we were preaching through the book of Hosea. Remember that God called Hosea, Hosea to be a prophet. In a very difficult situation, he put him in. He told him to, to marry a woman of harlotry by the name of Gomer. And she would have children that would represent his relationship, God's relationship with the nation of Israel. But then Gomer went back to her former profession. And someone came and told her and said, you, you remember. She says, there, there Gomer was. She was on the auction block. And she was about to be sold into human trafficking. And Hosea loved her. And God says, go, go buy her back. Go redeem her. And he went down there and his men began to bid on her. Friend, listen, he gave everything that he had, that he might redeem her to himself. Listen to me, friend. Sin had separated us from God. And God gave everything he had. He gave his precious son. And he bled and died, friend, that he might buy us and redeem us from the auction block. Friend, listen. You, you have been chosen. You have been adopted. You've been accepted. And my friend, you have been redeemed from the penalty of sin. Praise God for that today. We're not going to hell when we die because we've been redeemed through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid the price. And fourth, what's so special about being a Christian? We've been forgiven. We've been forgiven. Look what the Bible says in verse number 7 again. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. A word that we use in Scripture in discipleship is we've been justified. We've been justified. We owed God. We've been redeemed. That's positionally. But listen, We've been forgiven. It's, it's, been, it's been wiped away. You know, sometimes folks will come and, and apologize to you. Now, don't, don't say it doesn't happen to me. 
Sometimes someone hurts you so bad, and they'll come and they'll apologize. There's sometimes some people say, I know they've apologized, but I can't or I won't forgive them. I won't forgive them. Well, friend, listen. When we sinned against the holy God, he sent his son to die in our place. And when we chose to turn from sin and self and by faith trust Jesus to be Lord of our life, listen, friend, we were redeemed. But then not only that, friend, our sins, past, present, and future, were all forgiven. They were all forgiven. He has, he has forgiven us. We've been justified just as if it never happened. See, when you see someone who's hurt you, you may forgive them, but on this side of heaven, you still remember what they did. You're human. You can't help it. That's one of the glories of heaven, friends, that, listen, we're not going to remember those things anymore. We're just going to be known as we're known. And that's the hard things that you'll never forget when someone hurts you. Listen, friend, God chooses to remember our sins no more. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 12, the author of Hebrews writes this. God says, for I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Those sins that wake you up at night, friend, when Satan tries to bring condemnation and reminds you of who you used to be, friend, listen, I've got good news. God doesn't see that anymore. He doesn't remember that. It's been forgiven. And that doesn't mean you don't need to take responsibility and you don't need to remember what led you to that place and you need to be sorrowful still that it happened, but you don't need to live under the guilt and condemnation of those sins anymore because you have been forgiven. Praise his name. But now listen, there's a catch. That doesn't mean that there's a license to sin. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that there's a license to sin. Because, see, when Jesus died on the cross, he not only died for what you had done, but also what you will do. And so someone who's not saved might say, well, I guess then I can just sin all I want to. Well, Paul answered that in Romans chapter 6, verse 2. He said, certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? That is, friend, when you get saved, you die to sin. You're still going to have a battle with the old man, but now you've got a new wanner. And you don't want to sin anymore. I'm going to tell you something, friend. If you want to sin and continue to sin, then you haven't been born again. That doesn't mean, friend, there's not going to be a battle with the flesh, but that is just to say that you say, well, I've been saved and I'm under grace. I'll just do what I want to. Friend, you've never been saved. You don't have the nature of a Christian. Paul goes on to say in verse 15 of Romans chapter 6, what then? Because of grace, shall we sin because we're under the law, but under grace? Shall we, not, shall, we, shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Paul says, certainly not. So his forgiveness, past, present, future, that's not a license to sin, friend. That's the freedom, listen, to not sin. Because now we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we have the power, Acts 2, that we need, Philippians 4, to do things through Christ, all things, who strengthens us. I want to remind you, Psalm 66, verse 18. Now listen to me. You need to get this. This is a step-up discipleship. When Christ died on the cross for your sins, he died for all your sin, past, present, and future. But if you sin and you don't confess that sin to Christ, Psalm 66, verse 18 says, you now have a hindrance in your relationship with God. 
If I regard iniquity in my heart, Psalm 66, verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God says, I will not hear you. That means your prayer life now has become stagnant. You have grieved and quenched the Holy Spirit. You can't be effectively used by God until you forsake that sin and you confess that sin and you experience God's reviving touch upon your life. But thanks be to God, friend, that we have been forgiven past, present, and future. Positionally and practically, we can walk in victory because we've been forgiven. Number five, what's so special about being a Christian? We've been enlightened. We've been enlightened. Look what Paul reminds the church at Ephesus and us. Verse number eight, which he made, uh, let's start with verse seven again. In him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. That word prudence means understanding. Having made known to us, God has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure in which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. We've been enlightened. Now remember, 1 Corinthians 2.14, a foundational verse in discipleship. It's Paul certainly and very surely reminded the church at Corinth that the natural man, the person who's never been saved, the natural man, one who, who Christ was speaking of in, in John 3, 7, Nicodemus, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Now listen, he goes on to say, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. And so the only way, friend, that you can be enlightened into what God's will is beyond salvation it's for the Holy Spirit to live in your heart. And the only way the Holy Spirit can live in your heart is for you to be born again. But when you are born again, friend, listen, then you have access to the Word of God and the will of God. It becomes unlocked because what Paul is teaching in 1 Corinthians 2.14 is this, that it's only through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that the Word of God will make sense in your life. That's the only way. We've been, we've been enlightened. Now we're able to understand the revelation of God. Practically for them, it was verse number 10. That listen, that one day, that though times were tough in Ephesus, though it was a day of hardship, listen, one day, friend, at the end of the age, Christ was going to redeem his church to himself. That was the encouragement. He enlightened them in that. That listen, days are tough. There's hard. But listen, there's a greater day coming one day. We're going to go home to be with the Lord and with him will ever be. Friend, listen, if it wasn't for the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the promises of God, we wouldn't know what's going to happen. Anybody know what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't. Anybody know what's going to happen the day after that? No, but I know what potentially can happen and could happen tomorrow. Jesus could come for his church. How do you know that? Because the Bible tells me so, and the Holy Spirit has made it a burning truth in my heart that is an encouragement every day. This could be the day that Jesus comes, so I'm going to serve him with abandonment today. We've been enlightened. What's so special about being a Christian? We've been enlightened. And number six, we've been given. We've been given. Look at verse number 11. It says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Paul reminds the church at Ephesus that they had been given to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Paul says this, not only about the church at Corinth, but listen to me. Every single person who has repented and trusted Christ, this truth is of you if you've truly been saved. He says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? That means your life and your body, friend, no longer belongs to you. There's a lot of talk in the world today about woman's body's her own, and this is my life, and I'm going to do what I want to with my life. And there are even churches that will help you discover what, help you what, do what you want to do with your life. Friend, I want to remind you, if you've been saved, you don't have a life anymore. You gave it to Jesus Christ. When you got saved, you surrendered you to him. You were not your own. You belong to him. He says, you were bought with a price. Verse 20, for, for you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He says, if you've been saved, your body, your spirit, your life, they don't belong to you anymore. Your family doesn't belong to you. All the goods that you have, you're just a steward over. They're not yours. And we need to be reminded around here, friend, listen, Greenwood Baptist Church doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Jesus Christ. It's his. None of the things that we have. When we got saved, we gave everything to Jesus Christ. Don't you listen. You say, well, I didn't give everything to Jesus Christ. Then you've never been saved. True repentance is a surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Whosoever calls upon the name of the what? Who? The Lord will be saved. If he's not Lord over everything, then he's Lord of nothing. He's Lord of nothing. He says, you, you've been given. You need, need to be reminded of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 27. We've been, we're the body of Christ. When you got saved, you were grafted into the body of Christ. You were given to the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 16. We're, we're the temple of God. We've been given as the temple of Jesus Christ. And Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 27. Listen, we've been given. We're the bride we're the bride of Christ. You know, and, and I'm fine with it. It's, it's what it is, but weddings are kind of backwards than the way the last wedding's going to be. You see, weddings are the day. We had one just almost a year ago. Uh, none of you came, but I was lucky enough to be there. Hunter was standing up on the front stage, and Lee and his mama were sitting there, and they looked pretty, and uh, Hansel, well, Lee didn't look pretty. He looked handsome. And uh, Tori's family was sitting over there to the right, and her sister looked so pretty up on stage. And then all of a sudden, Peggy hit the bam, 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 bam. And all of a sudden, the doors burst open, and here came beautiful Tori just walking down the aisle. You should have seen it. it was, she looked so beautiful. And Hunter started squalling, and everybody started squalling, and I was holding on to my Bible. And so here she came. Here the, here the bride, the promised bride, came to the waiting groom. Well, friend, listen, that's, that's not the way it's going to be. It's not that the bride's going to come for the groom. That's what happened. Tori came to Hunter. No, friend, the, the groom's going to come for the bride. Jesus is going to come for his bride. We're going to be waiting, and then listen, he's going to burst in the back door. Imagine that. Tori's up on stage looking beautiful, and the doors swing open, and here comes Hunter walking down the aisle. That's what's going to happen, friend. Jesus Christ is coming for us. Why? Because we've been given. We are part of his bride. And the Bible says there's going to be a great 
wedding one day. That verse number 12 of Ephesians 1, will, will, those of us who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. There's going to be a great wedding one day that's going to glorify Jesus Christ. Listen to what John writes in Revelation 19, verses 5 through 8. He says, Then I, I heard a voice that came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both, both small and great. Again, to, to the praise of God the Father. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of, of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and let us rejoice and let us give glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. That means we're going to be there. We're going to, we're going to be waiting. We're going to be waiting for our groom, the Jesus, Jesus Christ. Why? Because Paul says we've been given. We've been given. We, we are part of the bride of Christ. Now listen to what the Bible continues on to say in Revelation chapter 19. He says, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the linen is the righteous acts of the saints that he did through us. And he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Friend, listen, I'm going to be there one day. It's a dark day. News will near depress you. Hard to deal with people. So hard to minister to people. That there's a fallen, there are apostates that are just leaving and turning away from sound doctrine. It's difficult. Friend, listen, be encouraged. We've been given. We're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're going to be married to Jesus for all eternity. Hallelujah. That I'll encourage you today. We've been given. Number seven, we've been sealed. Look at verse number 13. In whom... You also trusted. Paul says, you trusted Christ after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. That's the good news. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. The Spirit of God convicts. The Spirit of God draws. The Spirit of God illuminates what the Bible says. Again, friend, it doesn't matter what Greenwood says it takes to be saved. It doesn't matter what Southern Baptists say it takes to be saved. It doesn't matter what Independent Baptists say it takes to be saved. It matters what the Bible says. It takes to be saved. And so when the Word of God is shared, and the Spirit of God convicts, and the Spirit of God draws, John 6, 44, and that person responds. Look at that verse. Look at, look at the sequence of salvation. And then that, that broken, repentant sinner trusts Christ, verse 13, to be Lord of their life. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, on the gospel and believed on Jesus. Now look at this. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He didn't say you just barely put it on in case you jump out. It says you were sealed. Literally, friend, it is a final fixed act. That means when you got saved, friend, you are forever saved. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30. The Bible says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You are sealed. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have, what? Everlasting. Not up to the point that you sinned up to this point. There's an asterisk C, addendum 5.7, and asterisk dash section 3.C, sins. That, no, friend, if you've been saved, you are sealed unto the day of redemption. 
I know someone always says, well, I had an uncle, or I knew somebody, or I saw somebody. They were a deacon, or they taught Sunday school. And all of a sudden, they, they never served God anymore. They just turned away. Friend, listen, you can't lose what you never had. And faith that fizzles before the finish had a flaw from the first. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 3. Colossians 3 and verse number 3. Listen to what Paul told the church at Colossians. Listen, this is a foundational truth in a foundational verse in the doctrine that supports, and listen, the, the, the perseverance of the saints. That is, once saved, always saved. Now listen, Paul says to the church of Colossae, Colossae Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, he says, when you got saved, for you died. That is, you, you died. You came to Jesus Christ and you gave him your life. The Spirit of God drew you, you heard the gospel, and you, you died. You don't exist anymore. He says, and now your life, your spiritual life, is hidden with Christ in God. That means your life is in Christ, who is in God. Friend, and listen, if the devil could get to you to try to get you unsaved, he'd end up getting saved because he'd have to come through the blood of Jesus to get to you. Praise the name of the Lord. You've been, you have been sealed until the day of redemption. And number eight, what's so great about being a Christian? You've been guaranteed. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians Chapter 1, and in verse number 14. He says, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. Verse 13, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. He's, he's, he's our guarantee. He's our assurance. He's our earnest. You know, if you go to, to buy a car or to, to buy a house, before you go and finish the loan or go back and get all the money from the bank, because you'd be a fool to walk around with a lot of cash or a check in your pocket, you give them a little, what kind of money? A little earnest money. This is, this is a guarantee that I'm coming back. Friend, listen. God's guarantee to you that he's not going to leave us or forsake us. He's not going to leave us here on this earth. And that when we do die, listen, we're not going to stay here because absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, is that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That is God's guarantee to us. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul encouraged the church at Philippi. He says, I'm very confident in this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. It's, it's God's guarantee, friend, that, listen, he's not going to stop what he initiates. When you got saved, listen, you, when, the moment you got saved, you were saved from sin's penalty. And as you began to progressively be sanctified, that is, set apart each day as you grow in Christ, Romans 8, 29, you look less, more, less like you, more like Jesus. Secondly, you become set apart from sin's possession over your life. So you've been saved from sin's penalty. You're set apart from sin's possession. But now listen, friend, one of these days, God has guaranteed us we're going to be saved from sin's presence. We're going to shell out of this place, friend, and we're going to be in a place where the soul never dies. There'll never be a hearse. Satan can't come to tempt, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And the Holy Spirit of God is our guarantee, friend, that we are sealed until the day of redemption. And then number nine, what's so special about being a Christian? We've been charged and we've been called. We've been charged and we have been called. Listen to what Paul says in verse number 14, Ephesians 1. He says, The Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption, that is, Christ comes for, for his bride, 
either by grave or error, we go into his presence until the redemption of the purchased possession, here it is, to the praise of his glory. Paul says all of these things that we are in Christ, it's to the praise of his glory. And we've been charged to glorify God in all things. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and in verse number 16, he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Paul says, all these things that you are in Christ that I'm trying to remind you of, he says, you are what you are and you are in these things. He says, that you might glorify God. He says, that's the charge. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 31, the, the apostle Paul writes these words. He says, therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Friend, that's God's charge to our life, that everything we do would glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way we do that, verse number 4 again, we'll go back to Ephesians chapter 1. He says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, why? Why did he choose us? Why did he save us? Why did he keep us from going to hell through the, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? That we should be holy and without blame before him in the world. Holy. Set apart. Not, listen, friend, not sinless. It's impossible. But blameless. That no one can lay a charge against God's leg because we continue in a right relationship with him. We have lives that are set apart for his exclusive use. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, again in verse number 20, for you were bought with a price. Think about that this morning, friend. You were bought with the price. The salvation that Paul is talking about. Jesus hung on the old rugged cross, on tender tendon, was spat upon, was mocked, was forsaken by the Father, and he did it all because he loved you. Your soul was bought with a price. We live in such a day, we live in a day when people are so ungrateful because everybody's given everything. I mean, friend, listen, we're living in a country, you don't even have to work anymore. We'll just take care of you. And we ought to take care of those that can't work. But we're, we're living in a culture now, friend. Listen, you don't have to work because the government will just take care of me. Everybody, and so people aren't grateful for anything. Friend, the salvation that you have, it was bought with the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We owe him. We, we are charged to live lives of holiness. For you were bought with a price. He, Paul says, therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which belongs to God. Belongs to Him. We're, we're charged. But not only that, we're, we're also called. What's so great about being a Christian? We've been called. Go back to verse number 1 of Ephesians 1. He, tells them, he reminds them right from the river again. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. That was Paul's calling. God called Paul. Listen. Not just to be a member of a church, not just to sit, and not just to give. He called him to service. And my friend, listen, every single person on the sound of my voice, or someone listening, or is going to listen in a rebroadcast, if you've been saved, you've been given at least one spiritual gift. And the purpose of that gift is to equip you for the calling that God has placed upon your life as a functioning body part in the body of Christ. You've, you've been charged and you've been called. And Paul says, God called me to be an apostle. 
What's he called you to? And are you doing it? I want to remind you, he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And usually, there's a lot of shouting until we get to the last part. Everybody loves that we've been chosen. Everybody loves that we've been redeemed. Everybody loves that we've been sealed. Everybody loves that we've been guaranteed. But when you get to the work of ministry, it gets quieter. We don't want to see anybody die and go to hell. We're burdened over the lostness that's in our world. But friend, if the Great Commission will be fulfilled, reach, teach, and courage in this community, it's going to be done through the shoe leather of faithfulness in our lives. We've got to f- discover what is it that God's called me to do in the life, of, aside from living on mission every day. What is God? Paul says God called me to be an apostle. What's he called you to? And are you doing it? Are you living every day in faithfulness? Are you glorifying God through obedience? We know the commission. What's our calling? I want to ask you a question this morning. Be honest with me. Look at me. We're going to imitation, so you can perk up a little. Listen to me. Do you have joy today? I mean, do you really have joy? Have you been saved? Do you really have joy? Be honest. Is there a day when you've had more joy than you do today? Then why did you let Satan steal that joy? Be encouraged and be reminded today. The hardship's still going to be there. But in Jesus Christ, listen, friend, you've been chosen Say that to yourself. I've been chosen. You've been adopted and accepted. That's you. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven. You've been enlightened. You've been given. You've been sealed. You've been guaranteed. You've been charged. And you've been called. Praise the Lord. That's something to be excited about. That's something to have joy in. So ask the Lord today to forgive you where you've had a lack of faith. You allowed Satan to steal your joy. And leave here today renewed and re-energized and ready to start a new week of service, serving the Lord, being reminded of what's so special about being a Christian. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Friend, none of these things mean anything to you, nor can they mean anything to you if you haven't been saved. You must have your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If the Spirit of God today has convicted you that you're lost and you need to be saved, I invite you to turn right now from all the sin that's in your life and humbly trust Jesus now to be Lord, believing that he died on the cross for you because you were chosen. He chose you to be saved. He loved you enough to come die in your place. He wants to come live in your heart and give you life and life more abundantly if only by faith you'll receive him today. Just tell him so right now in a simple prayer of faith. Listen, the prayer means nothing if it doesn't truly reflect a repentant, broken heart that wants Jesus to be Lord of their life. Tell him so right now where you sit just like this. God, forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus died for me. I'm tired of the life that I've been living. I want a new life that can only be found in Christ the one that's been talked about today. I want all these things to be a reality in my life. I'm turning from sin. I'm laying my life at your feet. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Be Lord of my life. Be Lord in me. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. 
If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, when Peggy begins to sing in just a moment, won't you step up and make your way to where Brother Brian is? He's going to be against the far left wall where you're sitting. He just wants to pray with you and encourage you what God wants to do next in your life. Child of God, was it you that's lost your joy? You say, I've got to be honest, it was me. Confess that lack of faith. Ask God to stir your heart, to brand these truths on your heart and on your mind. And when Satan comes, friend, to try to tell you what you don't have and how bad things are, you just pull the Bible out and you remind him who you are in Jesus Christ and what's so special about being a Christian and belonging to Christ. Father, encourage your church. God, it's a hard day. We say it is. It really is. We see it. We're, just, we're so tempted to be discouraged, to become bitter and downtrodden. Oh, God, encourage us. God, I pray you'll find us in faithless, no matter how dark the day, no matter how hard the way. God, I pray we'll be reminded. Thank you for who we are and what we have in Christ Jesus. Might our lives of obedience glorify you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Have your way in every heart now. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's looking around. If you need someone to pray with you, Brian will pray with you. Peggy's going to sing. You come right now. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Far back in time, your love so Oh, but Lord.